reading from the book of Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Bill. Well, good morning. For all who are visiting, a special warm welcome. My name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It's a joy to have you join us. Uh, this winter, we're making our way through the book of Philippians. And before we dive into our passage, I invite you to bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of our message is Know Jesus, Show Jesus. And I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever noticed how families can fight over the smallest things? A few years ago, I believe it was over Christmas break, but a few years ago, I, I noticed something interesting about my own family. Uh, we can be having a great time after enjoying a great meal, after a great day together, and it can all fall apart over one thing. One thing. What's that one thing, Tyndall? A board game. <laughs> Our family can fall apart over a board game. Ever have that experience, friends? Listen, in the case of the Sorensen fam, it's this game you see on the screen behind me. Anyone know what it is? Yeah, most of the room. Settlers of Catan. Think Monopoly meets Risk. Settlers of Catan. There are dice, there are cards. You can even trade your cards. And the goal is to build a mini empire and get 10 points. I can assure you it is awesome. It's fun to play sometimes, right? Listen, here's the thing. Over, over the years, I've noticed something about board games. I believe I shared this insight a few years back, but... Here's what I've noticed. There are different kind of players when it comes to board games. Seriously, track with me. Ready? First, it starts with the competitor. The competitor. Hey, guys, you want to play a game? Guys, you want to play a game tonight? Anyone know any, anyone like that? The competitor, right? 
The competitor thirsts for competition. Sometimes they're subtle, sometimes they're not. But they come to the table with one goal in mind, to win the game, right? It all starts with the competitor. Next, we've got the connector. The connector, any connectors here today? The connector comes to the table not so as much to win the game, but to cultivate community. They want to build relationship or maintain relationships. So their goal is not winning per se. It's more like harmony. So we've got the competitor. We've got the connector. Now let me pause and give you a test. It's a real hard test. Here it is. See how well you know the Sorensen family. Between Carly and me, who's the competitor? You got it, DD. Listen, Carly's not only fierce, Carly's cold at the table. I'm telling you, true story. First time we played Catan after it was finished, she said, I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> and you can sleep on the couch. <laughs> Hayden, it happened. Don't play a board game with Miss Carly. Listen, so the competitor, Carly, the connector, me. Who else do we have? We have the easy roller. Anyone here an easy roller? These are the people that come to the table just to have a good time. Their main goal is not necessarily to win, but often... They'll have a drink in hand, they'll have a snack in hand, and they'll have a story to share, right? That's the easy roller. Now, two more. We got the chatterbox. The chatterbox. The chatterbox, I had someone confess, I'm the chatterbox at the first service. The chatterbox just talks and talks and talks throughout the whole game. And listen, they don't even know what's going on in the game. <laughs> Anyone know a chatterbox? Okay, listen. Sometimes, here's what's most peculiar with the chatterbox. Sometimes they win. And you're like, how is that possible, right? It is shocking. Why? Because they don't even know the rules of the game, but sometimes it happens. They're easily identifiable because others have to help them play the game. Okay. So finally, finally, we have one more. In addition to the competitor, connector, easy roller, and the chatterbox, we've got the martyr. We've got the martyr. Yes, this is the Eeyore of the bench. And they let their displeasure ooze out all over the table the whole night. This isn't fun. Why are we doing this? Can't we be doing something else? And, and listen, oftentimes earlier in the day, the activities actually revolved around that person. It's true. So in total, at least in our home, you've got competitor, connector, easy roller, chatterbox, and the martyr. I'm sure there are more. In fact, Mike's Banks, Mike Banks in the first service came up and he goes, well, I'm the instigator. So he's just causing trouble. So there's another one. But uh, you have all these players at the table, right? Board games. Aren't they fun? In the words of the late theologian, Kenneth Ray Rogers, listen, you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Come on. Know when to walk away, know when to run. All right, we'll stop there. <laughs> Preach it, Kenny. Preach. He wrote that all about families, Christmas breaks, and board. No, he didn't. Let's get back on track. Friends, have you ever noticed how families can fight even over the smallest things, right? It can be about clothes. Anyone maybe fight about clothes today? It can be about games, schedules, even what's for dinner, or it can be about more serious items like money, intimacy, priorities, or time spent together or alone, right? Cracks can form and fights can develop even in the best families. That's the truth. 
That's the truth. Well, turning our attention to Scripture, this same dynamic can develop even in a church family. It's true. Cracks and fights can develop over leadership, over worship, over the color of the building, over the color of the carpet, over the look of the building, the style of the building, over the age of the pastor, over the look of the pastor, views on education and ministry, views on women ministry, views on baptism, views on the sacraments, and on and on the list goes, right? Why do little cracks become big cracks in families, even in church families? Here's why. We're human. We're all human, which means we all stand in need of God's grace. Which leads us to our passage for today, Philippians 2. The Apostle Paul wrote today's passage to exhort us not to live like this world, but to live in this world in a very countercultural way. Namely, the Apostle Paul wrote our passage today to exhort us not to live like this world, but to live like Jesus. Following his example of humility, service, and grace, especially in how we treat one another in the family, the church family. This leads us to our big idea we're going to unpack from Philippians 2. If we know Jesus, we will show Jesus serving others as he served us. If we know Jesus, we will show Jesus serving others as he served us. So let's dive into God's word together. Point one, if we know Jesus. The passage begins, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So let me provide uh, some background on where we are. This winter, as I shared, we're making our way through the book of Philippians. And this was a book or a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. That is the very first church that was ever started in all of Europe. And Paul loved these people. He loved these people. And he wrote this uh, letter years after meeting them as he sat in a jail cell, encouraging his friends, these people, to find joy and unity no matter what came their way. So we've been looking at that over the last few weeks. This brings us to our passage today. And it's, it's known as one of the most famous passages, right, in all of the Bible, and for good reason, especially the second half called the Hymn of Christ. And Paul begins our passage today, listen, by calling out Christians. He calls out Christians, or I should say he calls out Christ in Christians. It's very creative. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant literary technique where he lists four different markers or questions to draw us all in. And here are those questions. First, do you have any encouragement in Christ? Meaning, in any way, shape, or form, have you ever drawn hope or strength from Jesus? Second, do you have any comfort from his love? Meaning, in any way, shape, or form, have you ever felt the affection of Jesus? Third, have you shared in the Spirit? Meaning, have you been led to pursue the truth of the gospel, even in the slightest way? Or have you ever experienced the joy of being part of God's family, his dynamic and diverse family called the church? And fourth, do you have any tenderness and compassion in all of this? Meaning, has your heart been softened in any way because of your pursuit or engagement with Jesus? Listen, if your answer to any of these questions is yes, Paul says, this message is 
for you. And I just love that. Courtney, this message is for you. If you've experienced any goodness or grace, this message is for you. So what does this mean? Well, it means two things. First, it means whoever you are and wherever you are, uh, you're welcome into the family of God. Whoever you are and wherever you are in life, you're welcome in the family. But Paul, I've, I've done this. I've botched this. That's okay, Noah. You're welcome in the family. But Paul, I've experienced this. I've gone through this. Uh, that's okay. You're, you're welcome in the family. But Paul, I, I've struggled with this. I'm actively struggling with this habit. That's okay. You're welcome in the family. But Paul, I doubt this. I really doubt this thing called faith. I wrestle with this. That's okay. You're welcome in the family. Listen, church, you do not have to be a choir boy to have the choir of heaven sing over you. You don't. You don't have to be perfect, a perfect boy or a perfect girl to receive God's perfect love. You don't. And listen, for years, I struggled with this. My shame and my guilt, which we all carry, held me back. But Paul's making it clear, we don't have to be perfect to be part of the family. Rather, he says, if you've, excuse me, if you've experienced Jesus' love in any way, Brian, in any way, like the woman at the well or the thief on the cross next to Jesus, guess what? Step on in. You're welcome in the family. His grace is enough, and that's your ticket in. It's beautiful, right? Next, we must understand this. If we want to be a person of grace, we must first be a recipient of grace, which comes via Jesus. If, if we want to be a, a person of grace, we, we must first be a recipient of grace, which comes via Jesus. It's a simple yet profound truth. We cannot and will not be able to offer others what we ourselves have never received. We, we won't. It's like a river coming down a mountainside. If we want grace to flow through us, it first must flow upon us. And what does this require? Humility. Not achievement, not perfection. It starts with humility for us to receive God's grace. The willingness for each of us to examine our own complicated, fragmented selves and recognize our need for a savior our need for Lord Jesus. And that's where Paul starts. Do you have humility and have you tasted in any way, shape or form the grace of Jesus? If so, pay attention. He goes on, this leads us to point two. If we know Jesus, we'll then show Jesus. Then make my joy complete, he says, by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now let's pull back and let me share about my own story a little bit. Here's the deal. I like good movies. Today's a good movie day, right? Any of you like good movies? Here are some of my favorites, okay? Saving Private Ryan. Love that movie. Dunkirk, love that movie. Peanut Butter Falcon, love that movie. And Lord of the Rings trilogy, Drew has confessed to me he's never seen any of them. But I love those movies. I just love a good movie, especially a good epic. And here's the confession. I also sometimes like a good romance. We call them rom-coms, right? Romantic comedies. And... Uh, Full disclosure, I, I used to have a crush on this one actress in the, 
the 80s and 90s. Her name, Meg Ryan. You remember those movies? Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail. When Harry Met Sally, my goodness, those were so good, at least back in the day. Here's one more, and this one hurts to confess. I loved Jerry Maguire when it came out. I know, it's, it's hard to hear. Yeah, it's chick flicks, you're right. I know I've mentioned this particular scene before, but do you remember what Jerry, that is Tom Cruise, said to Dorothy, Renee Zellweger, in the climactic scene of the movie? Here's the exact script. Jerry, we live in a cynical world, a cynical world, and we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. And I just had, and then Dorothy jumps in, shut up, just shut up. You had me at, you had me at, and our hearts just wept. (laughs) What just happened? What am I feeling? Oh my goodness. Well, guess what, friends? That's not true. It's not true. Meaning no person can complete us, be it in a friendship, marriage, or even in the church. No person can complete you, be it in a friendship, marriage, or even in the church family. If anything, if we try to make this happen, it'll crush the other person with the weight of our longings. That's the truth. We all must come to realize, like the late St. Augustine, who was a romantic himself, as he wrote in Confessions, you have made us for yourself, Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you. And that's where we need to settle our hearts and our minds. And so returning to our passage, that's exactly what Paul instructs us to do and to do it together. Rowan, be like-minded, having the same love. That is the same love of the gospel of Jesus, being one in spirit and of one mind. In other words, Paul tells us to be harmonious in our faith together, looking to the one who's the actual source of love and then displaying that amongst each other. And I just love this. In preparing for today's message, several different commentators, as they wrote on this passage, said, imagine one thing. Imagine this, an orchestra. Picture an orchestra, they said. Think of the church as an orchestra where each of us bring a different instrument to play, every one of us uniquely gifted by God. And together, we're called to create a transcendent song. An orchestra creating a transcendent song. One conductor, different, diverse, dynamic sounds. One beautiful song, the church. You see, we are hardwired not only for relationship with God, but David, for relationship with one another. As a church, we're called to be united, dynamic, and harmonious, wherein we both trust in Jesus and display him in the family. Now, before moving to point three, we got to park here on one verse. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. What? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Well, how is that possible? How is that possible? Well, here's another story going back to the orchestra illustration. When Leonard Bernstein, the late acclaimed orchestra conductor, was once asked, what's the hardest instrument to play in the orchestra? He did not hesitate in his reply. 
He said, the second fiddle, the second fiddle. I can always get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm or second French horn or second flute, now that's a problem. And yet, he went on to say, if no one plays second, we have no harmony. That's powerful, right? The second fiddle, the most important instrument in the orchestra says, this acclaimed conductor, the second fiddle, indispensable in humility, value others, Paul says, above yourselves. This leads us to point three, serving others as he served us. The passage continues, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, or some translations say a slave, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friends, never has the world seen such humility and never has the world needed such humility. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, the one the early fathers testified about through the Nicene Creed, the only son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence of the Father. Yes, this Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, ancient of days. Yes, Jesus, the radiance of God's glory in an exact imprint of his being. Yes, Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Yes, Jesus, he's the one who came and he's the one who died. He came and died for you and me. You see, just at right, the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. So why did Jesus come? Why did he die? So we wouldn't have to. Why did he come? Why did he die? It all hinges on one word, love, love, love. Cooper, through Jesus in the cross, you are loved today. Michael, through Jesus in the cross, you are loved today. Frederick, through Jesus in the cross, you are loved today. Friends, in the mystery of God's plan and through the obedience we see all the way to the cross, God's love was poured out for you and me through Jesus. Humility, service, love. Therefore, God exalted him, we go on to read, to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, even under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The language here is so significant. In fact, one word, I just paused to say it and have you join me, is so significant. It's the word Lord. We say it all the time. We sing about it all the time. Jesus Christ is Lord. In fact, it comes from a Greek word called kurios. We've studied this before. And it is this word kurios that's used over and over again in the Old Testament to identify who? 
Yahweh himself, God himself. In fact, throughout all of scripture, this word Lord is used over 6,000 times. As we look at the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, we look at the New Testament. In other words, Paul doesn't want us to miss this church. This Jesus, the humble king who gave away his crown to die a death, uh, meant for you and me, is now the risen Lord and the King of Kings. And he reigns over everything. We can't miss it. And friends, listen, for Paul, our call is to trust Jesus wholeheartedly and uh, display his life communally by how we treat one another. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus here it is. In other words, if humility and service were not beneath Jesus, humility and service surely cannot be beneath you and me. If we're believers, hear this. If humility and service were not beneath Jesus, humility and service surely cannot be beneath you and me. And let me land this plane. Let me close this sermon through one uh, final illustration. It comes from a book called A Call to Excellence by Gary Enrig. A large group of European pastors came to D.L. Moody's, that's the late uh, evangelist D.L. Moody's, Northfield Bible Conferences in Massachusetts in the late 1800s. Following the European custom of the time, each guest put his shoes outside his room to be cleaned by the hall servants overnight. But of course, this was America, and there were no hall servants So walking in the dorm halls that night, Moody saw all the shoes and determined not to embarrass his friends, his visiting pastors. So he mentioned the need to some others, to some ministry students at the conference, yet he was met with only silence or pious excuses. Consequently, Moody then returned to the dorm, gathered up all of the shoes himself in alone, in a room that first night, cleaned and polished every single pair. Every single pair. The next morning when the foreign visitors opened their doors, guess what? Their shoes were clean and shined. And listen, they never knew by whom. Moody told no one, but a friend happened to catch him in the act that night. While he was cleaning the shoes, that friend told a few people, which then led to a new wave of leaders determined to clean the shoes, which they did every single night in secret for their honored guest. Humility, service, love. You guys remember what Jesus said to his disciples right before the crucifixion about service and love? Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you, must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And shortly thereafter, do you remember what Jesus did after giving this little talk, pep talk to the disciples? He washed their feet. Now catch this. None of them offered to wash one another's feet, but he washed their dirty, dusty ragged feet. He did. One fellowship, if we know Jesus, we will show Jesus serving others as he served us. 
Now, eventually the disciples got it. They, they got it all the way to martyrdom. They, they poured out their lives and that's why we're here. Their service for us. So allow me to close with two um, parting applications. Here they are. And it's really two images from our stories. First, in this faith family, dare to play the second fiddle. Dare to play the second fiddle. Lift others up. Discover how to be harmonious and united. Specifically, I invite you to join a serve team if you're not doing that thus far. A serve team. Act with humility, grace, and always in a posture of service by playing the second fiddle. And second, when given the chance, wash one another's feet. Wash one another's dirty, disgusting, raggedy feet, especially when the person doesn't deserve it. Grace. Grace. It all flows from grace. If we know Jesus and his grace, we will show Jesus and his grace. Serving others as he served us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this call to action, this challenge, this invitation to be like Jesus. Would we not just come to Sundays, check the box and leave, come and leave, come and leave, but would we look to make connections, to have conversations and play the second fiddle and discover the path to greatness is not really receiving, but giving like Jesus. May we follow him and this new year well. Help us, help us. We pray this in his name, amen.